Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Our Roots and Tea. And just for our new listeners, a little bit of a breakdown. We're here to explore more of the existential topics: meditation, spirituality, uh, mental well-being, life purpose, life happiness, um, philosophy, psychology, all that good stuff. And the other element. I have to mention too is that we, you know, every episode we try a new type of tea. And tonight, since it's later at night, we're doing the Zoom call. Actually, uh, I'm trying out this brand called Taylor's. It's a decaffeinated breakfast tea. Uh, it says bright and refreshing black tea. So you know, I'll let you know how how it tastes. Um, and so today we have, or tonight, I should say, we have our Awesome guest here today, Byron. And I don't want to, I don't want to mispronounce your last name, but was it Byron? Uh, Chow. Byron Chow. Is it? Did I say it yeah, right? You okay. Say it in Chinese, in Chinese, it's Chow. But a lot Chiao. of people just say Kiao just because they can't pronounce it. Oh. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> or in Byron. Chinese, it's a. Yeah, in Chinese, it's Chow, which means bridge. Okay. Okay. But you know, or just simply Byron Byron Q, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, that works. <laughs> that works. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're we're on a Zoom call today with Byron here. Um, he's, I think he's drinking water or coffee, so he he won't be trying to tea with us tonight. Um. Anyways, I want to get things started right away, and right off the bat, I want to ask you, Byron. You know, we're here. And so I want to know how you got started with your with your spiritual journey and and why. Give us all the juicy details. Oh wow! Okay, jumping right in. Okay. Yeah. Um, my spiritual journey began probably about six or seven years ago, and. You know, I think up to that point, I was just like a regular dude, um, just trying to figure out things and, you know, chase after the American dream. And and I was thinking about this question because uh, you told me about this, and I kind of narrowed it down to a precise moment, which is, I went to a rave called EDC, mm. and this is like back in um, when it was in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I did a lot of drugs there, including acid. And that was actually like the first time I did acid. But after that whole, um, you know, it was like three day rave. It was like crazy. Um, I don't know if people have been there, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy rave. It's like, yeah, three straight days. But after that, I just felt like completely spent. Hmm. So I remember thinking like, oh man, I need to like, detox, I need to um, regain my strength. And, and I just feel like I need to take better care of my body. Like I felt like I shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff to myself um, that yeah. much anymore. So um, at that time, I took a flight like right after the rave to um, go visit um, like my ex-girlfriend at the time um, in New York. And um, I remember being there and I was like really disorientated because of the flight and because of, you know, the aftermath of the rave. And I found this book just laying around um, in her apartment and it wasn't even her book. It was like her roommate's book. And I was like, what is this? I was bored. So I just like, I'll pick this up and just read it. And I started reading it and it was actually a book by Deepak Chopra. And I think it was like about the mind, body and spirit, like how these three things connect. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like a pretty straightforward, like basic book about how these three things interact with each other. But as soon as I started reading that, it just kind of spoke to me um, about how like the body is connected to the mind. And that's also connected to this thing called the spirit. And I was like, okay, um, as I got more into it, it started talking like pretty deep stuff about how, you know, like a lot of your childhood trauma that influences like how your mind works and that also influences how your body is functioning. Like people who have chronic pain, sometimes it's like um, something that's caused, you know, like from a mental thing. 
And, and I actually went through that same kind of experience and I can tell you a little bit about it um, a little bit later. Okay. But basically from that book, I was like, whoa, blown away. And then I just started reading more Deepak Chopra books. Um, he talked about meditation in that book. Mm. He talked a lot about like Eastern um, influences, um, like Buddhism. So I was like, okay, let me start looking more into this kind of stuff. And I just read about Buddhism. I read about meditation. I took his little meditation 10-day um, you know, thing. Yeah. And just got really into it. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, this is nice. Like, I like it. It's very peaceful. And, and then from there on, I just kind of kept going, you know, just kept digging more and more into things, reading different books, trying different um, meditation techniques. And, and yeah, and here I am now. <laughs> Wait, so before you discovered this book, you weren't really into that stuff. Like, did you thought that was stupid <laughs> no i didn't think it was stupid i remember going to hmm did i think it was... no i think my opinion of it was like it's not for me okay um, like i couldn't imagine myself sitting somewhere and just sitting there for like like why why would i do that oh i see um, i mean i was into eh, i think i was into like health only up to the amount that anybody might have been like you know everybody knows they should take care of their body they shouldn't be eating junk food and all that so i was pretty much on that same level um i was mindful of like what i was eating but at the mm -hmm. same time i didn't really care that much because i was like in my early 20s and feeling great yeah so you were really more about your your physical than than your your mental Right. Initially, it started from a physical thing because I wanted to detox and take better care of my body. And then I realized that your thoughts are also affecting your body. So I was like, you know what? That makes sense. Like I got to, and I was a little bit into positive thinking already. Like oh, okay. some of these, um, like Tony Robbins books. or, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I had read all those <laughs> books about how to um, succeed, how to be the best, you know, how, how to, um, like perform at your, your highest level. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And so would you say that this book kind, I don't want to say change your life because I'm sure down the road there would be other events, but at least at that point in time, would you say this is the book? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, but I actually went back and reread the book. And when I reread it, I was like, Oh wow, this is like, like it didn't have the same effect on me as it did at that moment. Okay. Because when I read it, I was like, oh, this is very basic to me at that point. Um, once I had gone through more spiritual um, journeys and, and more meditation techniques, like I did the Vipassana meditation mm -hmm. that um, uh, your friend had done. Yeah. So when I revisited that book, it just seemed like, oh, wow, I, was, I came pretty far mm -hmm. from this book. But it was definitely like the starting point, you know. Without that book, I don't think I would have been exploring into that journey. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, you mentioned, you know, about going to EDC, you know, taking drugs. Because I I have heard from other friends that when they say they take certain drugs, it's almost like they they have some kind of I want to say enlightenment, but, but a surreal feeling like almost the same as going through the, the whole Finpasana and meditation course. At least that's how my friend described it. I, I don't know if that's true for you. Yeah. I mean, only later on did I read about the effects of LSD and, and spirituality, I guess. Um, so I guess this is a common thing that happens to some people where LSD kind of triggers or opens up their mind. Mm. So that now they're more receptive to whatever it is. My whole thing up to that point, I had heard stories that, oh, if you take LSD, you could potentially go crazy. <laughs> like just one time and you're crazy. You know? So I was like really scared of taking it. And I only took a little bit of it. But I think it's true, man. Like, you know, when people say you go crazy, like what is your definition of crazy? Because crazy might be, oh, now your mind is open and now you see the truth. And now to everybody else who's still asleep in the world, 
you're crazy, of course, if you start talking about some of these like spiritual philosophical yeah. stuff, you could sound crazy to yeah. the status quo. Well, yeah, because you supposedly you don't fit into the society. You don't fit into what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So yeah, B- basically if you're not, you're not um, setting your own trend. Oh, I mean, I meant like if you're not following a trend and you're setting your own trend, it's almost, they, they look at you kind of confused. Like, okay, what, what is this guy talking about? You know? Yeah. Which is kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's very damaging. Um, because you mentioned about how a lot of people are still, I guess, asleep. That's, that's what you call it. Um, so I think that's very damaging, right? Because the whole so- if the whole society is like that, then, you know, then what is, should be the right path to go. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it has to be in this way where majority of people are sort of just living their lives on autopilot and yeah. and basically you know doing what they were destined to do like or the lives that they were destined to lead which for me like when i say destined i just mean like i don't believe in free will anymore so oh, okay um everybody who's born you've already been predetermined which is by your karma you know like what, what can you explain a little bit more about that like predetermined um, karma i mean karma um to me is just like it's a it's a um a collection of all your actions that you've done in past lives um, mm-hmm. whether you want to believe that or not um you know we can get into that but it's it's basically you're born into a certain situation certain class certain family and you are forced to think a certain way and to want certain things. And if you really, really want to break it down, it's like when people say, oh, I have free will and like, because I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, who put that idea in your head that you want to do that? Oh, you want to be um, like a professional athlete. Where did you get that idea? You think that it's your choice, but in reality, if you really dig deep, that thought was already put in you from your circumstances, you know? Like for my, um, my example, like for me, when I was younger, I really wanted to succeed. Like that was my thing. I wanted to be very successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to make a lot of money. And that eventually transformed as I went to college and figured out what I really want to do. It became like, oh, I want to make films because I want to be a filmmaker because I want to be creative. Yeah. And I want to be like this movie director. And on the surface, it might seem like, oh, okay, you made that choice to do that, which is different from all my friends. All my friends, they were not trying to make films or do anything creative. Yeah. I was like the only person that was trying to do that. So in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm different. And like, this is the choice that I'm making. But if you really want to break it down, that wasn't really my choice because the reason why I am like that is because of my childhood, you know, like hmm. the way I was raised and the um, events and the circumstances that I went through as a child caused my desire and this drive within me that's instinctual. Like I can't get rid of this drive to create and to make films, no matter how hard I try to like remove that out of me, I still feel it. Like it's, it's, um, it's pulsing in me. And that's what you call an ego, right? <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. yeah. Yeah. Your ego is, um, just your the self that you've built for yourself um, since you're like a baby, and and the reason why I wanted to be so great and I was so driven and people looked at me like oh wow you're so driven like wow you're different or you have drive you know like yeah some of my friends they weren't really like that you know they were comfortable doing whatever they're doing. And I also asked myself, I was like, well, why, why am I like that? And I did an analysis of myself. Okay. And I said, oh, it's because like, you know, I was born um, without a father. Um, you know, I came from a broken home, single mother. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom wasn't really there um, that much because she had other shit she was dealing with. And so I pretty much had to, like, raise myself. And I was, like, moved around a lot, like, family to family, country to country. And, like, this feeling of abandonment, right? Like, uh. a lot of people have this kind of thing. A lot of people have, um, you know, yeah, abandonment, whether that's your mom or dad or if you're an orphan. So you have this void within you. And how do you make up for that void? You have to build up yourself. You have to build up your ego okay. to fill that void. So my way of doing that was like, okay, well, if I become like a movie director, then look at all the people who like abandoned me. They're going to look at me like, oh, damn, like they fucked up, you know, like now this guy's famous. He's rich. He's wealthy. He's successful. You know, like I wanted subconsciously, I wanted that. Like that was what I was going for, that I had to fill myself up because I had been abandoned. Ah, ah, so it was almost like, wow, okay, okay. And you see the same pattern? Because like I asked myself, is that really true? Um, For myself, it's definitely true, but I could see the same thing in a lot of people out there. Yeah. Like if you look at anybody who's like super driven, super like just nonstop, like crazy, you know, achieving the best of the best, and you really look at their family history and where they came from and, you know, psychoanalysis, um, a lot of them come from that type of um, family background. So subconsciously, you're, you're, it's almost like you're seeking other people's love and approval just because of the, you know, abandonment issues. Yeah, yeah. And, and people who came from like, like a perfect family, I mean, this is not for everybody, but I'm just kind of generalizing a little bit. You know, if you came from a really good family and you had a big family and everybody loved you and didn't really have that many problems, I see a lot of them, they're just kind of like, ah, like, I'm chilling, like, I don't try that hard, you know, everything's, like, cool for them, like, they're happy, but of course, they have other issues, right, feeling of, like, oh, now everybody looks at me like I'm the rich kid, and I had everything, so now I got to prove to them that I'm not just a rich kid, that I also have uh, issues, or I'm also struggling, and you see that with some, like, really rich kids, Yeah, they have this sort of um, attitude, like, that's you, right? And that's right. something I actually explored in my first movie. <laughs> so. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, so, and then, you know, all, all this kind of came to light for you when you started, you know, meditating and, and digging, digging deep into literally like your mind and your past. Yeah, yeah. hold on real quick. Let me just take my <laughs> sweatshirt off. Getting back to you, for you, um, so, okay, you went on this journey, you, you read the book, you start, you know, doing more meditation. Uh, and my guess is you're still doing meditation now, right? You're, you're still pretty consistent with that. Yeah, I, I do meditation every day, or at least I try to. Um, it's quite difficult, like, you know, with busy schedules and all that. But um, I, I try to make it work every, every day, a little bit of meditation. And each time you meditate, do you discover something new or, or just simply sitting there and kind of letting your thoughts pass by? Well, I, I practice the specific technique of Vipassana meditation taught by Gwenka. Um, okay, yeah. Name of the teacher. He's pretty popular, but there's actually a bunch of other Vipassana meditation teachers. But yeah, I mean, I went to the 10-day course originally. It was 10 days. And then I did another 10 days, like, you know, a year later. And then just this this year, actually, I did a a 10-day but service. So I was there helping out, like, setting up, you know, the meals and cooking. You were a volunteer, basically. Yeah, I was cleaning the the dining hall. Okay. It was hard work like I never worked that hard in my life mm-hmm. because it was 10 days straight like even if you worked in the restaurant business mm-hmm. you still get the, you know a couple of days off here and there right like in a week it's like 10 days straight of non-stop work from five in the morning yeah I got to get up and prepare the breakfast for the students who are going to eat breakfast at like 6 a.m and then just non-stop and get get the uh, lunch ready. And in between, I'm doing meditation sittings with um, everybody else. 
and cooking and just constantly on my feet. And this was all just for, to give, you know, to these other students to provide this um, environment for them. And I was with a bunch of other volunteers, like a group of, I think it was like eight of us. But um, doing the service really made an impact on me because I realized that was the first time in my life that I really just 100% did something without like having like any kind of personal gain, you know? I mean, in a sense that is still personal gain because that was moving me forward in my spiritual journey to um, fully give to other people. Um, but yeah, it was like a really humbling and interesting experience. So you giving back is, at least at that, at that time, you felt like it was the right thing to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they tell you like, Hey, you should do this as part of your, um, like after you've done a couple of courses, yeah. you should go and volunteer and serve because we, they need servers. Like without servers, other people can't go to the meditation retreat, you know, because the whole thing is free. Like people don't have to pay. So other people have to donate their time and energy to make sure that these other people are getting food and, and able to meditate. Yeah, no, that makes sense. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's kind of along the lines of, you know, kind of stoic philosophy where where you you know you want to do the right thing, like moral, you know, moral values, right? And I, I think that's that's where kind of what that mindset is. Yeah, and it's um building karma, like good karma, you know. It's yeah, that's interesting. because you, you mentioned that. You mentioned that, and then because I actually did, did want to circle back to that too, because you mentioned about karma and the past lives, and, and so you do believe that we we do have past lives before this. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, well, but what if our past life was, you know, like a dog? I mean, how would you? How are you able to judge? You, you know. You know well, what I'm dogs saying? Dogs have lives. Dog, dogs have lives. Um, dogs, there can be bad dogs and there's good dogs. There's dogs who okay. kill other dogs. You know, there's dogs who are very loving and, and treat their owners like with a lot of love. And if you talk to any dog owner, they, they will tell you straight up, like my dog is my best friend. It's just, just as a person as I am. Okay. So, okay. I see. So that as long as there's some kind of life force, it doesn't really matter if you're an animal, human being, or even if you're a tree. Yeah. Yeah, everything has a life force in it, and that's the spirit aspect, right? So when I say, like, multiple lives, your past lives, I'm not saying, you know, that there was another barren, you know, whatever. Right, exactly like mine. (laughs) Right, because it's not you anymore, right? Because the you that we think of as a you or I, it's built upon the identity that we've created once we were born. Mm -hmm. But the essence of us is really just, like, this consciousness, you know, and this consciousness, if you strip away the body and strip away the mind and strip away your identity, then whatever is left, that's what was in the past lives. And that thing gets carried on over and over and that thing never dies. Huh. Yeah, that, that's kind of mind blowing actually. I need, I, need to, I need to think about that one a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so right now, okay, let's say for you, you're Byron, okay? That's supposedly who you are, but but if we were to literally like just looking at your essence, then you're really just in some sense you can say you're just a just a dude, right? You're not, you know, Byron is a name that was given to you. And then when you're born, your parents or or your past experiences kind of created that identity too right it's almost like cultivated um yeah think about it when you were first born and when you were just beginning to walk and talk all of that was slowly built up to become what you are now you know you first had to learn how to eat how to talk and how to move right so it was like it kept building and building and building and your mind was growing and then but if you really think back to when you were a child there's always like this part of you that was like a witness, just like a watcher. Like you could see yourself doing things and you're moving around. That's the, still the same you. 
when you say watching, do you also mean it's almost like what your soul kind of popped out your body and and watching what's going on? Yeah, yeah. There's a witness in you, okay? Because when you sit and meditate and you're observing your thoughts, who's doing the observing? Because a lot of people think like, oh, I am what I think, right? Like whatever, like I am my mind. I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that. Yeah. But if you just sit there and you'll realize if you just do a little bit of meditation, you'll realize that your mind is doing its own thing. Like you're not really in control of the mind. You can be in control of it, but if you just let it like go, it's doing its own thing. It's coming up with thoughts. It's going into the past. It's going into the future. And if you just sit there and just keep watching it and just watch what your mind does, you'll learn a lot about yourself, about your mind. And then you start questioning like, okay, well, if I'm the one watching my mind, then that is the true you, the witness that's watching the mind. So if our, if let's say our mind wasn't really, you know, thinking about past, think about future, then we wouldn't know we, we are actually alive or, or we exist, right? Because that's the only way we know that we exist because our supposedly subconscious our mind is working and you no that's the thing that's the thing your mind is a separate thing it's a separate thing okay there's there's another thing within you so like if you're if you have no thoughts i've been in a a phase where like when i was meditating where Mm -hmm. i had no thoughts there were no thoughts coming in my mind like a, a thoughtless um state of being and when you're there you're like oh wow this like i'm still here without any thoughts okay you're just like you're just existing. So once you can get into that mode, you're like, oh, now I totally believe. And actually I know that, yes, this, whatever this is right here, will continue on and have, has you know, been passed down from before as well. I know this is going to be hard for you to explain, but thoughtless meaning literally you're just, all you do is paying attention to your your body parts and your breathing and, and all that, like all the basic stuff, or, or is it deeper than that? <laughs> I, I'm not, I, yeah. I'm not really focused on any body part at that oh, point. Okay. It comes like this. It's hard. Yeah. You can't really explain it because there's nothing you would, you know, like you really have to get to that state and then you're like, Oh, wow, this is like pretty amazing and you know you would know when you get to that state like somehow you you would just feel it or or whatever oh yeah i mean you have to meditate a lot to like reach that state i've only gone there like a few times um during deep meditation sometimes like i'll, I'll get there like just for maybe a brief moment like a minute or two and then like my mind comes back but when you're there, you know, you're like, whoa, this is like what I'm trying to reach, at least at that level. Like you're trying to get there. Wow. Meditation. So that's what, they're, that's what they say when, you know, Buddha reached enlightenment. Is that? Oh, Buddha went way past that. So what <laughs> I just described, that's like the very basic, like foundational level to first reach. And then from there, there's like multiple stages. Um, they have names for this. Like I didn't really memorize it. But the Buddha, he did the same thing. Like he first reached that state and then he kept meditating and learning more. And then he reached another state and another state, another state. Um, and then ultimately reach like full enlightenment. And this is, and this is your, this is from the books that you've read, right? Yeah. And that's how you knew. Right. I, I kind of have a feeling that each person's definition of in, enlightenment would probably be different, right? Just, just the same as each person's definition of, you know, success or whatever is different too. I mean, I, I would say that's the case here too, right? I mean, yeah, each person can have their own definition, but at the end of the day, there is an ultimate um, absolute truth. And that is the enlightenment that is the truth, you know? And that's something that you could only experience. You just, there's just no way you can really explain it. <laughs> uh, yeah nobody can really explain that level wow. um i think some monks have like tried to explain a little bit of it um but yeah like i, I don't even know i just have this idea of what that could be mm-hmm. like 
just from what I've read and also from experiencing, you know, the little bit of meditation I've done, mm-hmm. I can see how that could potentially go to a place where you only feel like this blissful love and you actually feel the love, which is like a loving feeling that just takes over your entire body and you feel great. Like it's even better than um, any type of drug or whatever. I mean, I've never done heroin, but I can imagine <laughs> you get to that level of just like consistent, like, whoa, I feel great. I feel amazing. I, I feel love. I, f- I am love, you know? And then at that point, you don't need anything. You don't want anything. You're just perfect. Like you're perfectly fine like that for all of eternity. And that's the effect it had on you once you reached that state. This this the kind of effect it had on you. Yeah, I, I got to a state where I felt love. Like I felt that there was love. Like I could feel the sensation of love. Wow, you know? sensation of love? Fuck. Sensation of love. And not love as in like, oh, I, I love this thing or I love this person or I love... It was just like pure love just coming out of me. Um, it was just like a very... It was just a great feeling. Like there was, there was nothing. It was just pure. Wow. Like, I can't really explain. It's like, it's like better. That's what I want to be. Interesting. Like okay. Forever, you know? Wow. So it's like better than any food that you had, any drugs or any sex, any, any of that. Like it's better than any of that. Cause yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, actually all the other, all the stuff that I listed, they, they're all really just for pleasure. Really, to be honest, it's not really like a happiness thing. Yeah. <laughs> if, if anything. No, man, this is, no, this is good, dude. This is deep. I, I, you know, cause for me, myself, I, I, I am still trying to, I guess, experience it or find out what, what that feels, what, what it is. It's difficult, you know, cause I, I don't, I guess you're more disciplined than I am. You meditate, you know, more consistently than I do. Um, but, well, you know, this, this is why I told you from the beginning when I first met you. Darren, um, you just got to go to the meditation retreat. <laughs> up to that point, I couldn't really sit still for more than like 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Um, but when you are put into that environment, and in a way you were forced into that environment, like once you go there, you're making a commitment to stay there for 10 days. Yeah. So for sure, like after the first day, I was like, what, the, like, what am I doing here? Like, what is this? You know, you have a lot of these thoughts going through. And a lot of people have similar experiences where they start questioning like, what they're doing. But you've made a commitment. You're already there. Yeah. You might as well just finish it and, and finish it with like, like open openness, you know, um, just, just try the practice and yeah. it work for you at the end of 10 days. Okay. Then whatever you wasted yeah. 10 days, but it didn't cost you any money. Sure. Whatever. And there were some people who went through it and they were like, nah, that's not for me. I talked to a guy. He was like, he was like, yeah, nah, like I don't, I couldn't even get into the meditation. Like my legs were hurting. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Because most of the people I talked to, they had a great experience similar to what I had, but there were like a few people where they were like, "Eh, "No." Yeah, no, uh, no, I can understand because the other the other week actually, I I did join a well, it's over Zoom. It's like virtual. I did join a kind of like a meditation group because um, my friend Alvin, he, he, he was in it. He recommended it to me mm-hmm. and it was like one hour meditation. I actually did go through it. You know, I sat on the ground and all that. Oh, nice. And, but I can see why that, that guy would say it, say something like that because even for me, myself, when I was meditating for an hour, yeah, I, it was hard for me to focus too because I was constantly adjusting my body yeah, my legs were hurting and, you know, I, it's almost like, and then, you know, your back's starting to hurt. And then it, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where, I mean, I, I went through it anyways, but I, you know, I guess there was a certain point where uh, I kind of just let the pain kind of come and go. I, I mean, I know the pain was is still there. I'm still trying to adjust, but I guess after a while, I kind of did settle down and, and, and just realize, okay, well, you know, maybe the less I think about it, the less painful it will be. I mean, who, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much that's connected 
you know, with the mind and body. Yeah. Well, I can tell you like the way you're going about it is, is, I mean, it's good that you're like trying meditating and all that, but it's a difficult way because you're, you're like, where'd you do this? Like at your house? Yeah. Just in my room. Yeah. So for me, you know, before I got into meditation, I was like really into traveling. Okay. And when I travel, it's like you go somewhere and you see everything is different and you meet new people, whatever. Like that for me was like a way to experience the world. And it, it made me like I was in a different mindset whenever I was traveling, whenever I was in a different place. So with the meditation retreat, it's like that. You go to a place and in this place, they have it set up where it's like super peaceful and there's people there with you who are also meditating and that gives you energy and strength through other people. You see them meditating, you're like, oh wow, these all these people committed to this? Okay, like now you feel like, all right, I'll do this too then. I was in a hall when I first went with like 100 people. Um, mm. If you do this in India, they have the Vipassana in India where it actually first... Um, that the first classes were held yeah. over there. They had like thousands of people meditating in Ooh. one room. Ooh. And this one lady who went there, she told me, she's like, wow, the energy there is completely different. Uh, like you'll feel the energy of a thousand people meditating. Uh, wow. Yeah, no, of course you can't do that now with, with COVID. That's, that's the very dangerous. <laughs> a thousand yeah. people in the room. Well, um, so, you know, like, let me just tell you about my experience in this last one. Sure, go ahead. So I went into the meditation retreat in mm -hmm. March. Okay. And when I first went in, oh, you know, there were some cases of COVID. I think there was like three or four cases in California. Yeah. By the time I came out of the meditation retreat, you know, shit had already hit the fan. It was oh, like, yeah, you know, the whatever, the shutdowns and all that. Yeah, yeah. So in the middle of the meditation retreat, like I would say day seven or, or day six, um, our uh, teacher, like they call it the assistant teacher, the AT, mm -hmm. he came and told us, the servers first, he was like, hey guys, I got to tell you, um, there's some recent developments with COVID that the governor has declared like a state of emergency and sports are shut down and doing that. And like every day it got like worse. He had to report to us. And at first we we're like, Oh, that's crazy. But then like, as it got on, we're like, wait a minute, what? This sounds kind of serious. And on the last day they had to tell the students because they didn't want the students to go back into the world and have like a huge shock, you know? So they told them and it was like, it was just like a weird experience. Like, Going into the retreat, everything was pretty much normal. You come out of it, the whole world changed. And the funny thing was like, they were like, yeah, but you know what the good thing is? Now you have this great technique to use to help you deal with the hectic situation out there. Wait, so how, what, what, were, what were your thoughts or reaction when, when you came out of it and then it's like a lockdown situation? I slowly like found out more as I turned on my phone. I think that's when it got serious. Once I okay. took out my phone yeah. and started scrolling through the news, yeah. that's when like article after article, how, how many people died? How many people have it? I was like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. It's like really serious. And yeah, it was definitely like a shock for me because like the week after that, it was the shutdown and you know, everybody from my work had to get sent home and all that. I would think that after all the meditation, you know, you, I'm, I don't know if you will, f I mean, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm sure, I guess you still feel shocked, but I would think that after all the meditation, you would, it would be really more normal than anything. I, I, I wouldn't say normal, but more like the reaction would be like, oh, okay, so this happened. All right. Well, so what next, you know? Yeah. Well, let's just put it this way. <laughs> The meditation is not a miracle cure. Yes. <laughs> and with the COVID, it was definitely like sure. a little bit more than what I could have taken. I wasn't like panicking or I wasn't stressed. Yep. It was just like slowly I found out like what was going on. And I was like, okay, it's serious. Um, I think I was just as shocked as a lot of people when it first hit the scale of it. Yeah. But I was fine in terms of like personally, like, I was still doing meditation and, um, and just locked down at home. 
it was fine. Okay, so it's it's almost like you just carried on life as kind of as it is, and still going through yeah. your routine. So part of it is like accepting things as it is. Okay, and that's like one part of the meditation is to like learn to do that. So I accepted whatever was happening. There's COVID. Okay, then there's COVID, and this is what I have to do now. Um, and, and that's kind of my attitude towards a lot of things now. Just like if something bad happens, then just accept it and see where it's leading you towards. Because mm-hmm. every bad thing that happens is actually an opportunity for growth. And yeah. If you have that mindset, then nothing bad can ever happen to you. Because even if something tragic happens, it's still a good thing. Okay, and you're applying that mindset. To pretty much everything you do now, like your work, um, you know, relationship, all that. Yeah, definitely. Like COVID for me, it's been fine. Like with the lockdown, um, I've actually been in the best shape. Like I got into the best shape of my life. Uh, best surfing I've done ever. Work-wise, like top performer uh, at my job, and and my writing for screenwriting has actually gotten a lot better because I had a lot of time to do this. And, you know, a lot of great things came out of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can go on. There's, there's so many things that came out of this um, like bad situation, you could say, but it built strength, you know. It forced myself to rethink a lot of um, aspects of my life. And... And also it made you cherish or yeah. not take for granted some other things that you might not be able to do now, but I still look forward to doing once the whole thing's over. Okay. Well. I actually do have a follow-up question on, on that because, I mean, yeah, I know you have that mindset of kind of accepting and, and just believe that things will work out. But even even having that mind or, or at least being disciplined and practicing that mindset is, is tough too, right? Because what if, let's say, your boss keeps yelling at you at work and you just stink it up for whatever reason, even though you believe you're doing good, then that could have some effect, right? Or to you, it's just like you kind of brush it off. Well, I use that. So let's say your example, my boss is, um, you know, being an a-hole and just whatever, saying some nasty things to me. Yeah. Well, first of all, like I know myself, I'm probably going to start reacting in like with anger. Uh, I mean, normally people, yeah, there's some sort of anger that arises out of you yeah, or some sort of um, frustration or agitation. But I use that in the same way that when people sit for meditation, like if they have a pain in their leg, they use that because with the pain, you actually want the pain. If you have pain, that's good because now you can use that pain to purify your mind because you're training your mind to not react to this pain. So if I didn't have the boss yelling at me, I wouldn't be able to practice restraint of my anger, you know, observing my anger and bringing my anger down. If I don't have something to pull that out, I can't practice. It's like, you don't Mm. have anybody to fight against. So you're never going to become a fighter. Mm, Okay. So the Byron before would have reacted in some sense emotionally, and then the anger will, will release but then now you're able to find kind of the balance, the peace within yourself, I guess. I still react in anger, but now I observe my anger and I don't let my anger control my actions. That's pretty much it. Okay. Then would you say that before, or I don't even know if now if that's the case too, but would you say that you're a person holding a lot of grudges as well? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah i think everybody has stuff or people from their past where they're like oh that guy like did me wrong or whoever yeah so you're always holding grudges um but the thing is like holding a grudge is not gonna do you any good it's not gonna hurt that person either by you holding a grudge like nothing's gonna happen it's not like this person's suffering because you have a grudge you're just you're the only one suffering like anytime you have hatred anger or like jealousy the only person that it's suffering is you. So why are you doing that to yourself? So like, I just got to let go of that grudge because then I'm going to be a happier person. Oh, okay. So that's, that's how you 
at least in your mind, that's how it's being worked out. And, and that's, you know, obviously through your, your, you know, meditation and spiritual journey. Yeah. Damn. That's, yeah, that's deep, man. That's deep. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because you, because you mentioned to me before, this is before, I mean, I don't know how long ago it was, but you, you told me that there was once, yeah, I'm actually backtracking a little bit too. There was this one person, I guess, from the course, you were saying that he or she have always had migraines. And then once they go into meditation and they go through all that, then all of a sudden the migraines disappear. But that's interesting though, too, because yeah, I know migraines are on the mind, but then, you know, but in a scientific sense, they, they do like do, you know, the, the x-rays or the, you know, the scans and they do show their activity going on in the, in the head. So yeah, why would sure. meditation kind of help dissipate that? So the example that you're talking about, that's actually Gwenka, the teacher. Oh, okay. So the story with um, my teacher is that he was a, a rich businessman, like, before he got into the meditation and he had crazy migraines the whole time. And he saw every single doctor in India as well as Europe. Um, you know, he's originally from Burma, but he has saw, you know, like every single doctor, nobody can really help him. They gave him pills nothing really worked that well. And finally, like one of his friends was like, Hey, you should try this meditation thing. Like maybe it's something in your head. It's a psychosomatic um, issue. Huh. Like that's a, a, um, something that people talk about psychosomatic. So he was like, all right, whatever, I'll give it a shot. Like, what do I have to lose? So he goes to the 10-day course that was done by um, his teacher. I'm going to mess up the name, but it's like Sanjeev. Yeah, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> okay, that's name. fine. <laughs> but he went to his teacher, and he did the 10 days. And after the 10 days, he said his migraines went away. And he was so blown away by that happening. Like, he was just shocked, right? Because every single Western doctor couldn't help him. Like, how can you tell me you go and sit there for 10 days and your migraines are gone? But after that, he became a believer. He dedicated his whole life to teaching Vipassana meditation because of that experience. He taught his mom first. He did oh. the courses for his whole family. Then he started teaching the people around him and then slowly expanded. And now they have centers all around the yeah. world. Um, so let me, tell you, let me tell you my personal experience because sure. people might not believe um, my teacher's story. But sure. I'll tell you guys like, Honestly, you know what? One of the main reasons, if not the reason, that I actually really went to this meditation retreat is because I had a problem with my hand. Um, the carpal tunnel. A, uh, no, it was tendonitis okay. in my um, right wrist. And this is typing all the time and just like driving Lyft. I, I was an Uber and Lyft driver for a while in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And just like gripping the steering wheel and just driving, it really messed up my hand to the point where like it just hurt for me to like even hold anything. And I got really depressed. I went into this dark hole of like, oh, what am I going to do now? Because now I can't even be an editor. I can't be a writer. Like if you can't use your hand, like what, what kind of life are you going to lead, right? And I saw every doctor, like mm -hmm. they said nothing's wrong with me. I did acupuncture. I did massage therapy like everything you can name i did it you know even i even saw a witch doctor who did put like a machine on me and it was like vibrating and i, I don't know some weird stuff right like some voodoo stuff or something like witch doctor yeah it was like a, it was like a witch doctor but not a voodoo it was like a weird okay. high tech kind of witch doctor <laughs> okay okay but, so i i exhausted every single option and then i just kind of assumed that i was going to always live with this hand issue mm-hmm and I read this book that was talking about psychosomatic um, problems that it might be related to the mind, but I was like, eh. So then I just went to this meditation retreat because I was like, maybe this will help as well. It was one of the reasons, but you know, there was other reasons why I went to meditation. I was interested in meditation, but if I really have to be honest, I think it was because I was just trying to fix my hand. After I came back from the retreat, for the first time, I didn't really feel any pain in my hand. And I was like, wow. But that's also because I didn't use my hand for 10 days, right? I'm sitting there. Um, so it's just resting. <laughs> right. But the crazy thing is I kept doing meditation and then 
I would say maybe about a year or maybe a little bit less than a year after my first meditation retreat, like my hand is not, doesn't bother me anymore. Like I still felt like a tinge of pain that would like act up, but like it didn't, I wasn't reacting to it because I had accepted it and I knew that it wasn't a big issue anymore. And that I knew that I could live with it. Whereas before, every time it was coming up, it was more in my head of like, oh, look at, look at me, like my hand is messed up. Like I can never be an editor or I can never like do anything. You know, it was more of a cycle thing that made me very depressed and made it a bigger deal than what it really was. The pain itself ah. wasn't even like that crazy. Yeah. It was yeah. just a constant like annoying right. thing. Like like the panic or or the anxiety that you had yeah. basically made it worse. Pretty much is yeah. what's going on. Yeah, I was super depressed. Um, like, and I was living in Germany at the time, and just trying to figure out like you know what I was trying to do with my life, and um, and it was very cold there and dark. <laughs> um, yeah, luckily uh, my wife was with me and got me through it. But yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's that's kind of crazy. So, but I mean, I I wouldn't go as far to say that doctors are wrong. I'm I'm sure there's probably some kind of maybe I don't know about nerve damage, maybe some kind of muscle strain. Oh, so the thing is, they, um, in Germany, they they did MRIs. They even did a nuclear scan of my entire body, <laughs> and they said there's nothing structurally wrong with your hand. I was begging them to give me surgery. I was like, just just cut my wrist open. Like I I watched um wrist surgery YouTube videos oh, to the point okay. where I was like, I could probably do it myself. That's how crazy <laughs> I got. I like, I've seen so many um, surgeries of yeah. the wrist tendon, specifically Dicwa veins, which is the thing I had. And I actually diagnosed myself with that. And later on, the doctors confirmed it, but they wouldn't do it. So and they were like, nothing's wrong with you. But that was even a worse, worser feeling because it's kind of like, I, I feel pain but you're telling me nothing's wrong with me. So what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to see? The doctor's supposed to help me, but you're telling me you can't help me because you yeah. think that I don't have a problem. Yeah. But I know I have a problem. Mm -hmm. I feel it. And uh, so many people are living with this type of chronic pain. Well, why? Well, in that, in, in that case, you could easily went to like a psychiatrist or a therapist, right? But why meditation? You know what I mean? Because there are other paths. Like there are other... Route. Well, it was free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. So if it wasn't free, that would not be an option basically is what you're telling me. It depends how much it was going to cost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's say if it was free and you go in and you, you go through the course and it still didn't help you, then would you just kind of flip tables and just go, you know, crazy? <laughs> No, no. I got so much out of the meditation retreat, like the hand thing being pretty much fixed was just like a bonus. Like okay. I, at that point with my hand issue, I, I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. But it turned out this was the best thing that ever happened to me. And this goes into like my whole philosophy of like, you know, when something really bad happens to you, just see where it's leading you towards. You know, if you just say, oh, this sucks, like my life sucks, this thing happened, I lost my hand or I lost yeah. this or whatever, you're just going to, you're, you're going to, you know, be defeated. Yeah, you yeah. Say, okay, this happened, let me see where this is going to bring me to. What is this telling me? And if I really analyze what happened with my hand, I was like, wow, this was literally the hand of God coming down from the sky and making me go in this path. Mm. And um, I realized I was actually addicted to my cell phone, addicted to social media, addicted to smartphones. Ah, and because wow. of my hand issue, it made me drop my phone. Like I couldn't hold my phone anymore, you know? And once I did that, I was starting to get free from technology, social media, Facebook, even just text messaging people. So in Germany, all I had was like this dummy phone, like, mm -hmm. you know, the drug dealers use. <laughs> and i only had like two people that would call one was like my boss for uh, my work yeah. and then my um, my wife or my girlfriend at that time and well i mean you're of course you're not absolutely off social media now i mean i'm you still, probably still use yeah. it but just a lot less right 
yeah, I slowly, um, once my hand was like better, I slowly got back into using a smartphone. And, you know, once I moved back to the States, yeah, I started, I mean, you have to use a smartphone. But what's great is um, I'm very aware of like how it's interacting with me. So, and now I'm not like constantly on it, you know, yeah. I can like just throw it away. Sometimes I'll forget where I put my phone. Yeah. No, 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 I agree with kind know what what you were saying before about the the pain and the cycle cycle symptoms or psychosomatic is that what they're saying yeah um yeah no it's it's true because it's because lately i've been reading a lot of like stoic philosophy I've, I've been reading a little bit about seneca and then he had a he has a quote well not the full quote but just part of the quote and he was saying how uh we often suffer uh more in uh imagination than in reality i mean that's probably not like exactly the words but that's just kind of i'm just paraphrasing paraphrasing it and and then now what you think about is actually really true is a a lot of what's going on is always going to be in our heads or our minds um yeah everything is it's all in your head you know if you can purify your mind you won't feel pain or anything really uh i mean (laughs) I mean, well, something like cancer, I mean, that is more a physical thing. I mean, I guess you could try to purify your mind and not not think it hurts, right? But I don't know. Well, it's your way of interacting with the pain. So, okay. Of course, you would have to be very, you know, strong um, in your mind to not feel I mean, you're still going to feel pain. This is the thing. You still feel it as a sensation. It's okay. just that the sensation itself is not what you think of as the traditional pain, meaning you can feel it and you don't care because you've um, transcended pain. And that's why these Buddhist monks can light themselves on fire. Oh, yeah. And sit there perfectly still and not cry or do anything as they burn to death. Like you've seen that, right? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's because they have yeah. such strong mind power. Yeah. Talking about that uh, that Vietnamese uh, monk, right? The is yeah. it Vietnamese monk? Yeah. Um, cause I, I well, they were doing it to to I guess send a message or something like that. Um, yeah, and, they're protesting the Vietnam War. Yeah. At least the one that I'm thinking about. I think there was a few other ones that happened. Was there a few other ones? Oh, okay. Okay, so regardless the pain will okay like what you said the pain is still there sensation it's also it's almost similar to you know when let's say your nose itch the itch will still be there but it's more it's more like okay well i'm not going to let let this itch bother me too much like that kind of deal well if you observe the itch you'll start stepping out of your body in a sense because now you're observing it and you're so focused on observing like what that itch actually feels like and where exactly it is that you'll stop thinking, like you'll stop associating or identifying yourself with that itch or that pain because now you're just watching it. Mm, okay. And then, even, so then now even, so now it's almost like you're constantly every day, you're kind of watching yourself in a way, in a sense, or watching your thoughts. Yeah. That, that, that's all it is. And I know you want to talk a little bit about this where like the aftermath of the meditation retreat, right? Which is, well, which is pretty much what, what you've explained here already. I mean, you, you... Well, just one aspect of it, which was, I don't know if everybody had this experience, but like after the meditation retreat, I would say maybe a week after, and I kept doing the meditation yeah. like, throughout the whole day. Okay. Um, I really felt like I was like floating through the world like i wasn't really in my body and as i was watching people like i would take walks and i would see people walking around talking to each other laughing crying or doing whatever and it was just such a surreal experience of like like i wasn't in the world really like i was floating through it you know like a spirit what the fuck wow it felt like it's almost like an astral projection kind of yeah yeah, it was like, it was such a crazy feeling. And then I suddenly saw everything that was happening for what it really was. Like a person that was, you know, let's say like a homeless person on the ground, just like sick or whatever, like screaming at himself. I saw this person as somebody who was just like, 
suffering so badly and there was so much compassion. That's another thing, the compassion within me, it was like bursting out of me. Mm -hmm. Like every time I saw somebody um, begging for money or doing whatever, I was like, I felt um, like I was like, ah, it was uh, just compassion, you know? And you're sure, <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off because I was going to ask like, are you sure that's not your imagination? You, you really feel like. Uh, I felt it. I was giving oh, okay. so much money away. Oh, wow. Oh, like I was even surprised at myself, you know? Because it's almost at that point to you, money and all that stuff is not even important. You're like, oh, no, I, I'm, you know, I want to help this person or whatever. I don't care. Yeah, it was just like I was, I had more compassion for people. I was more compassionate and empathetic to people I saw around me. Um, I could see things clearly. Like I could, I, I understood myself after the meditation retreat. I, I saw like what happened throughout my past yeah. and like, what was happening in that moment as well in my life and how my desire to be this famous uh, movie director was actually like a false illusion yeah. of like, why did I want that? Or like, what, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And who am I? Like, who is this person that I've created? Like, is this really me or what is me or what am I? Like, what is this body? You know, cause through, through meditation, you're going through your entire body and you're feeling all the, parts in your body and you're just like what is this what's going on here and then even like just looking at um like a plant or a tree i was like mesmerized i remember walking in the park and i would just stop and this tree literally just like i'm not gonna say i was crying but you, you talked to a tree at the feeling no i wasn't talking to it but like, <laughs> the beauty of the tree like somehow i saw the tree and i was like wow this is such a magnificent tree like how big the trunk is and just like the way the branches went up i was like this is a i was just blown away like fascinated by this tree wow but i've walked by this tree thousands of times you know before that and i never really turned to look at the, this tree <laughs> And like every little thing, even like yeah. a little flower, it was just like, yeah. whoa, I saw the beauty in it. Whereas before when I looked at it, I was like, oh, cool. It's a flower. All right. What's next? Yeah. So do you, think, <laughs> do you think that's the reason why people take drugs? Because it's almost like that trippy feel like, you know, like shrooms or acid or whatever. <laughs> I never tried any of those, but I mean. Yeah. People would take drugs to get away or see different um, aspects of, you know reality i guess but this was completely different like it wasn't like right. i was on shrooms or anything it was so vivid mm -hmm. and yeah there was a lot of crazy things that happened during the retreat as well which like i can't really understand how that could happen right like, i didn't i couldn't go to the bathroom like, i took i couldn't take a shit for 10 days i didn't know that was physically possible i didn't wait no no what? Wait, no, no, but you, I, my friend told me that they have vegetarian meals there. So there's plenty of fiber, right? I mean, it's not like you constipate it. Oh, I told the, um, the people there, like the helpers, whatever. I was like, Hey, um, I haven't been able to use the bathroom for the last few days. Like I need some laxatives and they're like, okay. They gave me like everything they had. Nothing worked. I was drinking coffee like in the morning. Yeah. Trying to, you know, do that. They gave me this like weird mix of, um, something that was like natural that was supposed to help. Um, I forgot what they put in there, like chia seeds or something. Um, I, I drank that every day, like with my meal. They gave me this other natural thing. It was like a pill that I ate and nothing worked. And they told me at one point, they're like, hey, you know what? Some people, when they come here, your body has a reaction to like what's happening to you. Because now you're in a place where it's purifying your mind and it's purifying your body. And your body knows that it does not want to be purified. It knows it's not trying to do that because like you're there to control the monkey mind. Mm. The monkey mind knows that you're trying to do that to him. So it, it's not going to go out quietly, you know, and even now my monkey mind will like bounce back and I have to like keep it in check. But during that time, they were saying that your body will have its own like reaction to what's happening. Some people get sick when this happens. Um, other people get like a headache or, have some sort of like body bodily reaction for me it was just constipation for 10 days and um and but the thing is i've always had some sort of like 
like stomach kind of problem where, yeah. you know, some food, I a lot of food I eat um, doesn't really go down that well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is because there's a, these bad, like what they call, what is it? Well, they call it sankaras, which is like the negative energy, but it's within parts of your body. Like that's where it's living. From the food the that you eat. itself is there. No, 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 just, just in general. Like when okay. you have ener- negative energy, it's somewhere in your body, you know? And, and maybe for me, it was like stored up in my stomach. Wow. So as like, it was trying to like clear that out, the, the stomach was like reacting to this. Wow. Uh, I, I like, how's that possible? You know, 10 days, like, <laughs> yeah. And I was eating, I was eating like, not like overeating, but I was definitely eating yeah. my fair share, you know? Right. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I, I do have a lot to say about that, but I mean, <laughs> it's unexplainable. Like, I, don't, I can't explain like how that right. Happened. Right, right. No, I, I get it. Um, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Anyways, yeah, we, you know, it's, we're, we're, you know, I hate, I hate to say this, like we are running out of time. <laughs> we do have to wrap it up soon. I, I do have, I have more questions about it. I, you know, I, I know eventually we'll can probably do a part two or something in that we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. But anyways, um, I guess right. to, yeah, yeah. I guess to wrap it up, um before i you know before we we go because i know you were also reading because uh, i saw on your facebook you're reading like a, a new book right now mm-hmm. oh, what book is that just so maybe i can check it out too um what is it i actually it's like this really old um buddhist text okay i don't know what the title is you might have to just post it in your show notes i'll send it to you later but it was recommended by the Dalai Lama. I was watching like a live broadcast and he yeah. was talking about it. He was saying that he takes a lot from it. I think it's like the life of a Bodhisattva. It's like how to be like okay. a monk essentially. Okay. Um, I haven't read through the whole thing yet, yeah. but it's basically, it's an ancient text, mm. like 200 or 300 BC maybe. I don't know. Okay, cool. But I mean, it sounds difficult to read, but, but yeah, send it to me though anyways, because I, I probably will post a lot of pretty much everything on the description. So anything, at least anything that's worth like for people to check out, put it on the description. Um, but yeah. no, that's, that's really interesting, man. But no, but this is, dude, this has been great, man. I love, always love these conversations with you. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be back again talking you know even deeper stuff but um yeah so we'll we're gonna wrap it up here uh for tonight and um yeah and we'll be back next week with another episode um you know not sure what we're gonna be talking about but we'll we'll, we'll like what byron said we'll kind of let it we'll accept it and let it kind of happen and, and flow with it you know <laughs> but anyways yeah thanks yeah. byron i appreciate thanks. it man well- yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity to uh, chat with you. And yeah, it was a pleasure. It's always, always a pleasure, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, man. Have a good night. Okay, right, bye. Night. Bye, everyone. Bye.